Well, good morning, Vineyard. How's everybody doing today? Doing good. Welcome to church. We're so glad that you're with us today. It's just going to be an awesome, awesome Sunday. I want to say again, if you're new with us today, we're so excited to have you. Listen, you guys make sure that you go out there to the Connections area after service and get one of those t-shirts because they're really cool. We only turned 10 one time, so they're in pretty high demand right now, okay? So I know what you're asking. No, I am not Pastor Joe, and yes, I am that guy with the guitar, Um, That's how people usually refer to me. Aren't you that guy with the guitar? Yes, that is me. Um, My name is Michael Burris, and uh, I am married to the most wonderful woman I've ever met. Her name is Cassie. Don't focus on her because she doesn't like that. Um, (laughs) We've been married this December. We'll be married for five years, um, and we've been at the Vineyard since 2016. And I tell you what, the first time that we ever stepped through these doors, we just felt like this was home to us. This was family, and so we took some time away, and we came back, and we still feel like it's family, and we're excited to be here. Um, In 2013, I felt God call me to plant and pastor a church. The only thing about that was that when he called me, he didn't tell me when, and he didn't tell me where. So I've spent the last uh, six years praying and preparing for that moment that God just says go, and so in preparation for that, Pastor Joe has been taking me through a leadership training course here at the church, and while he's been, he's away with Pastor Janice on vacation, finally, um, he's asked me to share the word that God has put on my heart. And before we jump into the message, I just want to say I'm extremely excited to be up here because usually to speak on this stage, your name does have to begin with a J. Um, I, think, <laughs> I think it's a conspiracy here at the Vineyard that you can't speak unless your name begins with J, but I am the breaker of the cycle. Um, no, actually Drew, Drew, actually, Drew was probably the breaker. That's cool. Uh, give the praise to Drew. So, um, but you know, you got Joe, you have Janice, you have Jesse, you got Justin, you have Jack, and you have Isaac, whose first name is John. So... For today, you guys can all refer to me as Jamichael, okay, <laughs> Jamichael. So, thank you. Um, who in here has somebody that you would say, uh, they are my best friend? Raise your hand if you have a best friend in this room. Um, hey, people that don't have a best friend, look around, somebody that doesn't have their hand raised, you guys are a perfect match for each other. It's cool. Um, so, I did that to say this, anybody that has ever had a friend before, or you're planning to have a friend in the future, this message is going to be for you, okay? So all you note-takers, make sure that you're writing things down today. And if you are not a note-taker, write things down anyway, okay? It's, it's going to be a good message. So when we think about friendships, we have to consider some very prominent friendships that have happened in our lifetime. We have Bert and Ernie, all right, Sesame Street. Uh, we've got Jerry, George, Elaine, and... You guys ever seen it's Kramer, right? Somebody got it. Jerry, George, uh, Elaine, and Kramer. We have Harry and Ron. We've got Woody and Buzz. Perfect. We got Joey, Phoebe, Monica, Chandler, Ross, and Rachel. That is a mouthful to say. And when we think about the Bible, if you've ever read the book of Acts, you have to think about two guys with the name of Paul and the name of Barnabas. Okay, and so today, I want to speak to you on the topic of real-ationships, R-E-A-L-ationships. You see what I did there? Just merged the two? 
Cool? Relationships. Our text today is found in Acts chapter 15, verses 36 through 41. If you guys will flip there or click there or whatever you got to bring with you today, or you can just look on the screen. That's cool too. Let's read it together. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul didn't think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and he left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches." So here's what we have going on right now. We have a couple key players in the story. We've got a guy named Paul, a man named Barnabas, and we have a young man named Mark. Um, in places in your Bible, you'll see him referred to as Mark. You'll see him referred to as John. You'll see him referred to as John Mark. It's very confusing, but he's all the same guy, okay? He's a, he's a young guy. And so uh, this guy, Paul, when we're first introduced to him in our Bible, uh, he's a really bad dude. Like he... He is actually, it'd be safe to say he's one of the chief persecutors of the first Christian church. So anybody that believed in Jesus, that believed that Jesus had been raised from the dead, Paul made it his mission to seek them out. And he made sure that believers were uh, stoned, they were beaten, they were thrown in prison, they were murdered, the works. So he's a really bad dude. And so one day, Paul is on his way to the city called Damascus to do just that. He's going to look for the followers of Jesus, and he's looking to track them down and try to lock them all up. He's on his way on a road called Damascus, and there, the risen Jesus appears right in front of him. And Paul is blinded by the light. Okay, I know it's blinded by the light. I know you guys are thinking it. It's okay. Sing it out. It's cool. So Paul falls off of whatever he's riding. He's got um, whatever, if it was a donkey or a horse or maybe it was a camel, we don't really know. It doesn't really say, but he fell off. He was blinded, and Jesus gives him instructions to go into the city, and then he gives him the very instructions. He said, uh, and then I'll tell you what to do from there, kind of like he does to all of us. He said, go into the city, and then I'll tell you what to do. So long story short, Paul goes into the city. He's baptized, and from then on out, he surrenders his life to Jesus and lives for him for the rest of his life. So not long after that moment, not long after that, he goes into Jerusalem and Paul meets a man named Barnabas. And they kind of hit it off real quick. They click and this is where the bromance really starts blooming. Paul and Barnabas, they start forming their bromance right here. And so Barnabas brings Paul to the disciples and he has to vouch for him because obviously the disciples are absolutely terrified of this man that's been killing them for all this time. And Barnabas says, no, 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 no. It's okay. Paul is good. He surrendered his life to Jesus. He's one of us now. And Barnabas brings him in to the inner circle. And so Paul and Barnabas, they travel together for years. And they plant churches all up and down the Mediterranean coast together. And I say all that to say this, okay? I just wanted to stress the fact Paul and Barnabas, they're like, they're real tight. Like they're closest brothers. They're inseparable. You know, they're, they're day ones, all right? When I was in school, we'd call them BFFs, but then they added an E and then they're BFFEs, but they're really tight. And now, enter John or Mark or John Mark, however you see his name in the text. 
John Mark is a relative of Barnabas, okay? He's either his cousin or he's his nephew. And John Mark wants to come on board as like an assistant to Paul and Barnabas. He's like kind of like an intern. And so they depart, all three of them depart on a missionary journey. And they make it a couple of cities. They make it a couple of towns. And then John Mark bails. He said, I'm out of here. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell us why. But it does say that he bailed and he just went on back home. Maybe he missed his mama. I don't know. He bailed, okay? And so, when we come to our text this morning, Paul and Barnabas, they're looking to return to some of the churches that they had planted in the past, and Barnabas has this great idea. He said, wait, Paul, what if we bring with us John Mark? And Paul must not have liked that idea because it said that they came to a sharp dispute, they came to a sharp dispute. And when we read the word sharp dispute, what it means in the original language that it's written in is it means like it became violent. Like these guys started coming to blows over this kid. And Paul did not like the idea of taking him with them. And so Paul and Barnabas, they end up parting ways in this text that we're reading today. And Barnabas takes John Mark. Paul takes a young man named Silas with him. Have you ever had a disagreement with someone close to you that was so bad that you almost came to blows with them. Or maybe uh, in today's age, maybe it's you're fired up real bad, but you can't punch them because it's over Facebook and everybody gets like really brave over Facebook because you can't really see them, you can't look them in the face and you're real mad at them. Maybe it was that kind of anger. Have you ever come to a disagreement with someone close to you that was so bad that you ended up cutting ties, stopping communication and just parting ways. I think it would be safe to say that the majority of us have sometime in our lives found ourselves in that situation, right? Yeah, north, south, cool. That means yes, yes. Hey, it's okay to, to, to talk back. That's cool. So this situation that Paul and Barnabas find themselves in, I think they made a very mature response here, okay? They just choose to part ways. Sometimes that's the best thing that you can do is realize we have reached an impasse in our relationship. We're not going to agree on this, so let's just drop it. Let's just drop it. And Romans 12, 18 says this. Let's read this. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This text right here tells me that there is a place where it's not possible to live at peace with some people. Don't raise your hand if that person's sitting beside you. But it's possible. And this text tells me that it's okay if sometimes we can't do that. Sometimes the best thing that you can do, the most mature decision that we can make is just to agree to disagree and part ways if you can't make it better. So when we speak of friendships, we have to address the fact that there are levels of friendship. There's levels of friendship. And without being too specific while we split it out, um, I see about four different levels in, our, in, in Scripture. And so, um, four levels of friendship. Number one, we have our acquaintances, okay? These are people that um, they may know of you, they may know your name, you may know of them and you know their name, but you don't really ever spend any time together. You have no real significant investment into them and, and neither do they have into you. And we all have some of these people in our lives, just people that go about, we know who they are. 
So we have, number one, we have acquaintances. Number two, we have friends, okay? We have friends. Now, these people, they may know, like, what kind of car you drive. They may know where you live. They know your name. Maybe you've hung out once or twice. Maybe you work with them, okay? We have friends. So number one, we have acquaintances. Number two, we have friends. Number three, we have best friends, okay? Best friends, they have a little bit more insight in our lives. Maybe we welcome them to speak good things, or maybe we welcome them to kind of correct us when the going gets tough in our lives. We want to give them a little bit more. Who do you consider a best friend in your life? And number four, so we have acquaintances, friends, best friends. And number four, we have what Proverbs 17.17 refers to as a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And everybody, listen, you're, you're, you're probably, unless you are a Superman, you're not going to have more than one of these. Okay, this is going to be that person that you guys are inseparable. This is the person that they know like the deepest, darkest secrets of your life. And if that was to ever get out, maybe it could harm uh, your reputation. Maybe it could destroy what you're doing. But you trust them with that information because, write this down, each level of friendship requires a different level of investment and a different level of trust. Okay, every level that you progress in your relationship with someone, you have to trust them more. You have to invest more time into them. But not every person needs to be in your closer than a brother category, okay? You can't please everybody. In fact, if you start putting people in, in categories that they really can't handle being, it could really damage your relationship with them. You can say it like this, that if we put people into places that they can't handle, it can destroy you and it can destroy them. So when I was in elementary school, okay, I had this cute little elementary school crush on this girl named Cassie. I was it, or not Cassie. I have a crush on a girl named Cassie now. Um, I had a crush on a girl in fifth grade named Chrissy. And it was secret, okay? It was like I didn't tell a soul. And one day, I chalked up the bravery to do uh, what epitomizes the fifth grade friendship. And I shared a secret with my best friend, okay? His name was Ryan. I'm not still bitter about this. It's cool. Um, and Ryan went, and not even less than a week after I shared with him that I had a crush, I heard that he went and told Chrissy that I had a crush on her, and he ruined everything. It was terrible. And I felt betrayed, and I'm okay today, but I felt betrayed. It doesn't harm my life at all. But that was cool, and that was cute, and that was a silly little thing, but maybe for you it was more sensitive than that. Maybe your friend or your family member, maybe your ex-spouse wounded you in a way that you've never healed from. Maybe you still have a hard time trusting people. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you if this is you, because you say things like, I'm never going to put myself in a position to be hurt like that again. Let me encourage you today, okay? Don't shut people off. Don't give up on everybody because of the actions of one person. Because there are people that are supposed to come in your life that God means for them specifically to bring joy and healing to your life through their relationship. Don't shut them off and stop what God is trying to do because of the actions of one person in your past. And that flows into my, my first point this morning. Uh, the, these are three things that we can learn from Paul and Barnabas. Number one... Real relationships are tough. Let's be real. It's tough to manage these things. 
Sometimes you just don't want to. If I was to ask everybody in this room to raise your hand if you'd ever been hurt by a friend before, I guarantee you everybody's hand in this room would go up. So, in fact, let's do that. Let's do that. Raise your hand if you have ever felt personally victimized by Regina George. You know, mean girls, like, she doesn't even go here. No, but, but seriously, uh, raise your hand if you've ever been hurt by a friend before. Wow, you guys look around. If you don't have your hand up, I've got bad news. It's going to happen, okay? It's, it's terrible, uh, but it's going to happen. So relationships are, tr- are, are tough. But listen to this. The currency of relationship is trust. When we enter into a relationship, I'm telling you, I am trusting you not to hurt me with what I'm giving to you. And you're trusting me to do the same. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Have you guys ever seen on YouTube or whatever, like something getting sharpened before? Guess what? There are always sparks. There are always sparks that are going to happen. And in our relationships, there's always going to be disagreements. There's always going to be hard conversations. There are always going to be opportunities to forgive each other. That's always going to happen. And one of the toughest things that we encounter when we start opening ourselves up to relationships is learning how to disagree in a healthy way and also giving grace to others when they fail to meet our expectations. And here's a real practical way for you to do that, okay? A real practical way that you can remember on how to, to easily give grace to people when they fail. Jesus said this. He said, do to others as you'd have them do to you. So just remember all the time you messed up. I know personally, I mess up daily, and that little lady over there has to forgive me all the time. And so it's easy for me to come into a relationship and say, you know what? It's not a big deal. We're just going to move on because I remember all the times that I messed up. And so relationships are tough because the good ones require a significant investment of time. You can't say that you're my friend if you never want to spend time with me. And if we were to take inventory of our day, I can show you what's most important to you by the amount of time that you invest in a person or a thing. You're going to make time for the things that you want to do. Relationships are tough. Number two, but relationships are rewarding. Relationships are rewarding. And let me preface this by saying... Relationships are only as rewarding as the investment that you put in. You're only going to get back what you put in. So in order to be a friend, you better be friendly. People, listen to me. You need friendships in your life, okay? You need good. You don't need any friendship. You need good friendships in your life because there are so many times in my life when I can look back when I was feeling less than, I was feeling beaten down, I was feeling low, I was in a bad place in my life, and I had to lean on my relationships to make it through. And there's a story in the Bible that represents this point very, very well. It's, in your, it's found in your Old Testament, okay, and the Israelites are going into battle with a group of people called the Amalekites. And Moses was the leader of the Israelites at, at, at the time, and he stood on top of this hill overlooking the battle. And the Bible tells us that whenever Moses raised his hands in the air with his staff 
Israelites would, would be winning the battle. But the moment that his hands begun to drop, Israel would begin to lose. And you know, so obviously Moses, his arms probably got tired of raising in the air. And they probably got tired and they started dropping. Kind of like there was this one time at a Paul service where we had like 22 spontaneous baptisms. And you know, here at the vineyard, we like reach our hands out to pray. I don't know if you, listen, if you do this, come up to me after service and tell me because I want to know I'm not the only crazy one. So on these 22 baptisms, I will alternate arms when I'm praying to make sure that like one doesn't get more tough than the other. And like, because I'm like super committed and God forbid I drop my hand before the prayer's done. Anybody else like, just me? Okay, cool. Um, so Moses, whenever his arms would drop, Israel would start losing the battle. And he had two friends in his life that recognized this, one by the name of Aaron and one by the name of Hur, like not like H-E-R, but H-U-R, um, Aaron and Hur. And what they did was they took a stone and they slid it up under Moses so that he could sit down. And one stood on one side of him and the other on the other side of him. Aaron held up one arm and Hur held up the other and eventually, Israel won the battle. We need people in our lives that will come beside of us and hold our arms up when we get tired. You need friends like that. So who do you have? Who do you have in your life that you can go to when you need rest? Who do you have in your life that is going to constantly be pushing you and pushing you and pushing you into the mission that God has for your life and encouraging you to follow God's plan for your life? When life gets tough, you have to have friends that you can count on to bear your burdens with you. Write that down. When life gets tough, you have to have friends you can count on to bear your burdens with you. And we have a pretty amazing thing here at the Vineyard with the sole purpose, okay, get this, the sole purpose of making friends that are going to be there for you through thick and thin, and it's called small groups. And if you're sitting here today and you're not in a small group, Right after service, you go out to that first connections table out there and you ask whoever's out there to help you find a small group that you'll fit in. And Cassie and I were privileged and, and we just loved it. We got to lead a small group this past year and we made relationships and friendships in that group that we never would have made otherwise. So like we, we cried together, we laughed together, we prayed together, we laughed together some more. But can I tell you a secret? Everybody lean in, lean in. Can I tell you a secret? Small groups are less about the content of the group and more about the friendships that you're going to make in them. That's the purpose, okay? Don't tell them I told you that, but it's less about the content, and it's more about the relationships. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 says this. I'm going to cut this short, guys, just to hear this verse. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and does not have anyone to help them up. Guys, you'll never be completely fulfilled in your relationship with God until you have people that you can experience it with. You'll never be completely fulfilled in your relationship with God until you have people that you can do life with. You need people but I want you to listen to this. People need you. People need you in their life. I don't know if anybody's ever told you this, okay? Pastor Joe says this all the time, that everyone is a 10 at something. 
And, and if, any, if nobody's ever told you this, let me be the first one. You have something that is significant. You have something that no one else has, that no one else can bring to a relationship. You are important, and people need you. You're the only one that can offer somebody what they're looking for. So don't rob people of the reward of being your friend because you're too scared to be vulnerable. Number three, real relationships are worth it. So real relationships, they're tough. Real relationships are rewarding. But number three, real relationships are worth it. They're worth it. I know sometimes it seems like the easiest thing in the world to do is to shut yourself down, to build your walls up, and to not let anybody in. Listen, where are my introverts at? Introverts, raise your hand. Um, if you are a real introvert, you won't be raising your hand right now because you would hate for people to look at you. <laughs> but seriously, it's easy to build up our walls. It's easy to act like, like you want to shut the world off because it's safer that way. It's easier to do that, but it's not worth it. It's not worth it. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11 says this. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. Paul is the writer of this letter to Timothy. And this letter is written around 61 AD, which is years after the split between Paul and Barnabas. And so something has happened between the split and where we are now. And this moment that Paul is writing this letter from prison, where Mark was seen as a hindrance to the ministry before, now Paul says John Mark is now a help to it. He's now viewed by Paul as a help to his relationship. We don't know when the change took place because the Bible doesn't tell us. We only know that the change did take place for him to write this. There are relationship splits that have happened in all of our lives. And in most cases, most cases, reconciliation is God's perfect will for your life. In fact, God cares so much about reconciliation. He says this in Matthew chapter 5. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and you remember there at the altar that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. God cares enough about restoring relationships that he is willing to take a back seat until you attempt to fix what's broken. Reconcile means to settle the difference, to settle the differences. In accounting terms, you reconcile something and it means bringing the difference to zero. So who is it for you today? The whole time that I've been up here speaking, who is it that keeps coming and running through your mind? Because I believe God is trying to show you that he wants you to reach out to that person and attempt to make things right. Let me empower you. Listen, no one else 
is going to make the first move. You can't think like that. You make the first move, and then you let God do the rest, because the good news is that the healing doesn't even come from you. That the only part that's on, that is on your plate is the obedience part. And then God handles the outcome. He trusts you to obey, and he'll handle the outcome. He'll take care of it. He'll fix it. Who is it today that you need to leave your gift on the altar for? I promise you to come up here and lay this thing down before God is going to be worth it. Some of us this morning in this room, maybe it's not a person in our lives. Maybe we need to be reconciled with Jesus. Maybe we need to come to Jesus and say, you've given all this for me to make it right. And so today I'm going to step to you and I'm going to accept the free gift that you're giving me right now. Maybe you need to be reconciled to Jesus because you've never in your life come forward or even sat in your chair and just said, Jesus, I surrender all of it. Give me your free gift of salvation through your relationship. Maybe you're sitting in here this morning and you think that you're here because you finally just gave in this, that you have that crazy co worker that's been inviting you for four months and you finally said, okay, I'll go. Or maybe you just stumbled in here this morning on a, on a wild hair and decided to come to church. But let me tell you, God had a plan for you to be here, sitting in your chair right now, hearing these words come from my mouth before the world had ever been established. You know why? Because God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. So don't wait any longer. Okay, you waited long enough. Come up here, lay those requests before God right now. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for what you're doing right now. God, I ask that you would soften our hearts. You would cause us to see our need for you and our need for relationships and our restoration for it. God, I pray that you give us the boldness and the confidence to come right now and let you fix it. I pray this all right now in the name of Jesus. Amen.